When was the last time you played? Oh, I played this morning with my dog, Max the Wonder Dog. <laughs> <laughs> Max the Wonder Dog. What did you and Max play? <laughs> well, we always play something, but this morning he was playing to get his breakfast early in the morning. But, um, <laughs> you know, life's a gift. Don't send it back unwrapped. So play is very important. But, uh, um, yeah, we, we played this morning. Welcome to Lead with a Dash of Play. Here we talk about the how and why of reclaiming playfulness as adults in order to build more connected, innovative, and human-centered workspaces. Isn't that what leadership is all about? I'm your host, Mary Hendra. Let's play. My guest today is Gary Ridge, retired CEO and former board chair for the company WD-40. As we gathered for the podcast, he was reflecting on recent statistics he'd seen about employee engagement and lack thereof. According to Gallup's 2022 State of the Global Workplace report, only 21% of employees globally are engaged only 33% are thriving in their overall well-being, and 44% of employees experienced a lot of stress just the previous day. Gary, thank you so much for being willing to talk on the podcast today. Hey, good day, Mary. I'm delighted to be here. So we were talking before uh, before we started the recording about how important culture is to you. You have led the company WD-40 in various capacities for 25 years, right? Can you tell us about the culture that you created there? Yeah, thank you. Well, I'm, I'm very grateful and very thankful that uh, I had the opportunity to lead the company as CEO for 25 years. Uh, I've been with the company actually 35 years, mm. but I can describe it the this way imagine a place where you go to work every day you make a contribution to something bigger than yourself mm. you learn something new you're protected and set free by a compelling set of values and you go home happy and that's important because happy people create happy families happy families create happy communities and happy communities create a happy world and I'm sure everybody agrees right now, a little happier world or even a lot of happy world is something that we would all be very grateful for. So yeah. I think businesses and leaders have not only the opportunity, but a, a real responsibility to create cultures that are engaging and where people really know they're making a, a difference in the world. Yeah. A lot of people talk about work-life balance as if like there's some balance you have to create and maybe outside of work, you get your happiness. But I really love that you say, no, like actually work should make us happy too. Yeah. You know, Aristotle, who was born in 384 BC said, pleasure in the job puts perfection in the work. Mm -hmm. So I know, and I, I, it's probably the same for you, Mary. I'm do things a lot better if I enjoy doing them. You know, there's yeah. things like picking up Max's, you know, poop in the yard. I don't really enjoy doing. <laughs> <laughs> but you like Max, and you probably like, like your neighbors. <laughs> yeah. 
but you know again it's it's really something that you you this work life balance thing to me it's hard to understand because you know we we should have a life balance not a work life balance yeah as you were creating this culture where people would be able to be feel safe, feel protected, provide feedback, have an alignment with values, go home happy. I, I know it would probably take a, a much longer period to explain all of that, but what are the key elements that go into creating that kind of culture? Yeah, sure. Well, I, there are a, a number of, of, of things. Firstly, there are four things that you need to be aware of, people, purpose, passion, and products. But the number one is people. Do you have a, a leadership culture that really does understand it's all about the people? The yeah. will of the people is so important. The second one is purpose. You know, Do you have a, a clearly defined, authentic purpose? Now, if you think about the company that I've you know, just been leading for the last 25 years, WD-40, it's a blue and yellow can with a little red top of stuff that stops squeaks. How could that have a, <laughs> how could that have a meaningful purpose? Well, it does. You know, we have a purpose. Our purpose is to create positive lasting memories. We're in the memories business. So we create positive lasting memories by solving problems in factories, homes, and workshops around the world. We solve problems and we create opportunities. In fact, our second value in the company is we value creating positive lasting memories in all of our relationships. Now, that doesn't mean we're always successful at it, but our intent is to create those positive relationships because it's from positive relationships you 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 grow great cultures. The next thing you need and so important is a set of clearly defined hierarchical values. Now why is that important? Because they are the written reminders of the acceptable behaviors in the organization, the accepted norms that set people free and protect them. You know, we've often said that anyone in our company, anywhere in the world, and we sell our product in 176 countries, we have offices in 18 countries around the world. I've said for many years, anybody should be able to make any decision they need to make without quacking up the hierarchy if they use our values as their guideposts. Mm. The other next thing you need to have is you need to have a create a culture of where fear is reduced. And one of the things that drive fear is failure. So what right. we did many, 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 many years ago is we removed the word failure from our normal vocabulary and we replaced it with learning moments. So we Ooh. don't make mistakes. We have learning moments. Now, why is that so positive? Well, if you see every interaction as a learning moment, if it's positive, let's share it with people to be able to amplify it. If it's ne a negative learning moment, let's understand you know, what did we not achieve and how do we you know, take that next step in learning. So it's very true that organizations that learn faster grow faster because and particularly today and then that sits on four pillars that i call of the pillar of care the pillar of candor the pillar of accountability and the pillar of responsibility so what does care mean care means as a leader your empathy eats your ego instead of your ego eating your empathy mm. care means you love 
at your people enough, not only to reward them and applaud them for doing great work, but you're also brave enough to redirect them when you need to with their best interest, interest at heart. And unfortunately, what happens in a lot of cases is we protect our own comfort zone at the expense of someone else's growth. Mm -hmm. Because usually when we have to redirect somebody, it's very uncomfortable for us. So we 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 delay it. We choose not to have that that really important conversation. Right. Then there's candor. No lying, no faking, no hiding. I believe most people don't lie. I believe they fake and hide. And mm. why do they fake and hide in organizations? Because of that weird word again, fear. There's no right. authenticity, psychological safety. So you've got to create that. Accountability. Uh, I wrote a book with Dr. Ken Blanchard, the one-minute manager called Helping People Win at Work, a business philosophy called Don't Mark My Paper, Help Me Get an A. Mm. And that whole book was based on the fact that most people let most people down because there's no clarity around what we're going to hold each other accountable for. Right. So I like to say to someone, if an A walked in the door right now, what would it look like? And how can I help you? And how can you help me get my A? And then finally is responsibility. And that's just a big word, right? But responsibility is, are we going to be the people we need to be? Am I going to be the person I need to be right yeah. now? So so they're the elements that go into what I call the, the Petri dish of culture. And why do I call it a Petri dish? Well, when I was back in high school in Australia, my my science teacher gave me a Petri dish and he said, what we're going to do is we're going to grow culture. And mm -hmm. okay. So what's yeah. important? What are the ingredients? Yeah. yeah. So I we know what it. the ingredients are. So what's the next step about growing great culture is you as the owner of the Petri dish have to watch that Petri dish every day right. and you have to feed the good ingredients and you have to be brave enough to be able to attack or treat the toxins that get in there that turn that culture sour. I knew I needed to get Gary on the podcast when he spoke at the Cause Conference in San Diego. During his talk, Gary pulled a small doll out of his jacket pocket. This was Al. And that's where we went next in our conversation. Speaking of toxins, tell us about Al. <laughs> Al, the soul-sucking CEO of Fear, <laughs> Inc. Although, <laughs> now, now remember, Al could also be Alice, so I don't want to be gender selective here, but Al has some really uh, unacceptable behaviors. Al's ego eats his empathy instead of his empathy eating his ego. Al is a, it thinks micromanagement is essential. He believes he's, or she believes they are corporate royalty. They've worked their hard life to climb this corporate ladder. <laughs> thou, shall, th thou shall bow down to Al. Al may have the largest office in the building and maybe his own parking spot. And do, do we think we'd ever find Al in the cafeteria? Oh, no. no. Someone must bring Al tea. Al, love, Al loves a fear-based culture. He's a master of control and a know-it-all. 
always has the answers, the right ones and a lot of wrong ones, thinks learning is for losers, he must always be right, they hate feedback, and they usually don't follow through on their commitments. So those are the, the toxic attributes of Al, the soul-sucking CEO of Fear, Inc., <laughs> and I've seen you speak and you bring a little doll of Al with you. Um, uh, he's here on the on the podcast interview as well. Love it. There is, there is Al, yes. <laughs> How did Al come into being for you? I, for many years, were well, I, it came from really understanding what these toxic behaviors were. And, and I really needed some way to talk about them. Um, and so I invented this little doll uh, called Al um, that I could talk about and that when I travel the world and speak, I actually give out the little dolls and, you know, they end up on people's desks for some reason. <laughs> Do you have a little Al doll that you talk to before decisions? No, I I, I try not to talk to Al very much at all. It, it's quite an un... He's not, not a very acceptable person. I'm usually carrying him in a plastic bag. <laughs> Keep him isolated. But what I do have, funny you should ask that question, but what I do have, um, and I have it on my, my notebook, is I do have a reminder of something. And this is my little notebook that I carry around, and I have a little t um, a sticky note on my computer here. And, and this little notebook reminds me how not to be an owl. And it says, am I being the person I want to be right now? And then it says, who is that person? And it lists, and I list, and I say, I want to be grateful. I want to be caring. I want to be empathetic. I want to be reasonable. I want to be a listener. I want to be fact-based. I want to have balanced opinions. I want to be curious. I want to be a learner. And I want to throw sunshine, not a shadow. Mm -hmm. So you would think after 25 years of leading a U.S. public company, I wouldn't need this little checklist on my notebook. But I tell you, I absolutely do because I am as human as anybody else. And I get pulled off my path of where I want to be by things that go on around me. So I need to keep reminding myself, who's the person I really want to be? Hmm. I don't want to be Al. Yeah. I want to be the person I described. I love that list. It's a beautiful list of what you want to be. Do you find that it is the little decisions or the big decisions which require greater attention to that? I think it's more about not the decision, but the state of thinking. Mm. So, you know, I I try not to, well, I, these days, without the responsibility of your CEO, I, I, I don't have to make too many decisions. But even when I was a CEO, I tried not to make too many decisions because mm. I'm not the smartest guy in the room. You know, I often uh, introduced myself as the consciously incompetent, probably wrong and roughly right chairman and CEO of WD-40 <laughs> Company. And I often say, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And really that <laughs> comes back to, you know, what, what leadership is all about. You know, you, it's, you're not there to be the smart owl. You're there to create an environment where you bring out and let the, the best come out from other people. Yeah. Um, and that's where true leadership comes into play, Mary. Yeah. Um, I There's so much I love about that in the space that you're creating for others to to really excel and be 
able to do their best work because they are happy, because they are connected, because they know it's aligned to their values. Um, to me, you seem to have a little bit of a playful streak. You have the doll of Al. You use words in a really kind of playful way that get that conveys some great things. There, um, you have a great laughter to you, um, and so I'm curious: Do you consider play or playfulness part of your leadership style? Absolutely, because it's linked to vulnerability. Mm, you tell know me more about that. Well, you know, talk about being playful. You know, I rode a horse into Times Square dressed in a suit of armor at 9 a.m. in the morning <laughs> many years ago to open the NASDAQ Stock Exchange. You know, I, I've i worn the funny outfits. I, you know, I've done very playful things because yeah. it really shows that we're human and vulnerable. And, mm. but, and that's fun. I, you know, as I said, life... Life is there to be lived, um, and yeah. a lot of people, particularly Al, who thinks they're the you know the 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 Almighty, um, they don't take play into in, into consideration. So I, yeah. I think I am I am somewhat playful, and I've done a lot of little you know when when uh, the WD forty company uh, moved uh, its offices in San Diego from you know, down off Marina Boulevard to where they are now in uh, Scripps Ranch, um, we we took the secret formula of WD-40 um, and we moved it from a bank downtown to a bank in Rancho Bernardo. So how do we yeah. do that and have some fun? Well, yeah. I, I got a, a suitcase and had it um, handcuffed to my arm. <laughs> like I got an armored car uh, <laughs> Coming to the office to pick me up, I rode in the back of an armored car with no money in it, but still. <laughs> and you know, we had some fun, you know, moving the, the the formula from one place to another, which again is it it created things for people to. But the other side too, is, you know, I talk about memories. The only thing we ever have in life that we'll we we have forever are, are memories, right. and memories are created from doing fun, playful, well, positive memories are yeah. doing fun, playful things. Yeah. I thought of two different things when you were sharing that story. One is that movement in the armored car with the handcuffed briefcase is in some ways also it's that that ritual of a transition. And so often when there is a transition, a change, even if it's, you know, just a, a physical move, something like that, it, we're shifting what is our normal space. We we have to change in some way, and a bit of playfulness and a bit of of kind of acknowledgement of that transition can really be helpful for individuals who find themselves in that moment of change. Yeah, and, and that reminded me of another change that we made. You know, when we moved from our um, of our old location downtown where we'd been for 44 years i thought i want to catch the spirit of the of the tribe and transfer it to the new building so on the friday mm -hmm. afternoon as our last day there i had a bagpiper come in and bagpipe all through the building wow and then on monday morning when we opened the new office the bagpiper, you could hear the bagpiper in the distance. Oh. And the bagpiper came in and walked in. And the bagpiper was the first one to walk into our building playing the same tune oh. that they were playing 
down at the old building. And I said, that's the transferring of the soul of yeah. our company from mm. the old location to the new location. But as you could hear this in the distance, you know, the, I got goosebumps. It's like, here yeah. comes the soul of the company. We've actually moved it to the new building. Yeah. And everybody found that to be, you know, very, you know, it, it was a wonderful moment. Yeah. Well, and it, it strikes me like change doesn't need to be hard, right? People often say, oh, well, change is hard. People are resistant, but, but it can be made something that people enjoy and appreciate recognizing there is a difference, but we can have fun with it. We can appreciate it as a learning moment instead of a loss. Mm -hmm. So Absolutely. Yeah. 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 You know, change is, is scary when people, when there are two things that you don't give clarity around, because what happens is what we tend to do is sell the change. What we should do is step back and think about if we're going to make this change, what are the personal concerns and what are the information concerns people might have about making this change? Mm -hmm. And let's draw those out before we make the change. And then let's share what we can to satisfy people. And then the actual change is not as dramatic because, well, you know, I, I know what the, my personal concerns are and I've heard about those and I know what I didn't know now. And that's a good yeah. thing as well. Yeah. The other story I thought about when you said this, I haven't had not thought about it in this way before, but I do associate that blue and yellow can with my father and my grandfather in particular not just because of something they were doing like in the garage or working on something separately, but because of the things we did together where there might have been use of it on a bike or in my grandfather's workshop in his cellar as he was creating things. And we were playing on the big ping pong table that he had in the, in the, in the cellar while he was working on one of his projects, something like that. I hadn't thought about that before, but, but it is very much linked to my memory uh, uh, WD-40 and a bit of play with my father and grandfather. Many, many, many stories like that, Mary, um, where people have said, you know, I can remember working on my bike with my dad or my granddad, you know, out on the farm or, yeah. you know, whatever it is. And, you know, I, we've had, that's why we, we, you know, when you say, when you mention that the product often people say, oh, I remember when. It either mm -hmm. solved a problem, it either it helped me, it you know, it made me look like a hero, you know. <laughs> um, suddenly I was able to make something work and you know, and normally I can't do that. So yeah. The last questions I asked Gary were about diversity at WD forty. Diversity at WD forty company has sort of come naturally because you know, we have more China, we have 65 people that are Chinese. We have, you know, 30, 40 people that are German and French and Spanish and Italian. And because we're such a global company, but still not that huge that we don't yeah. know each other, you know, we know what it's like to have different cultures. You know, when I was heading out, before I was CEO, I had, I was leading our global expansion as the vice president of international. And the things that I loved the most were were going to different countries. And I used to say to our, our team, let's get our shoes dirty. Let's walk the streets. Let's look at the culture. Let's try and understand, you know, what people think here, because it won't be the same as what we think. Yeah. And the great thing about that is the richness of learning you get, because yeah. you learn why things 
certain things are more important to certain people in certain places. So yeah. I think, and I, growing up in Australia, you know, it was Australia was a melting pot. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, we had many, many opportunities to interact with many, many different cultures. Yeah. There's so many times when you're coming back to learning, right? The learning that and the joy of learning in different countries that and centering the people, the customers, the the team members that are in different countries. I just I appreciate hearing all of that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So one of the things that I have heard that I have experienced at times as well of is is a concern as as individuals rise in leadership that that they won't be taken seriously as a leader if they play a little bit or are too empathetic what do you say to leaders and aspiring leaders who are afraid of that um, you know empathy is walking in someone else's shoes right uh, play is being real um you know mm. that's it's creating that that vulnerability people want to be with people they feel are being authentic and real and it's not about being that that snobby leader yeah it's about being a people's person you know it's all about the people you know when i was ceo you know i used to send a daily message out to all of our we call our our group of, of people tribe because we 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 studied the attributes of tribalism not a tribe mm. because we're trying to mirror any particular indigenous group but we we studied and and the number one um attribute of tribes way back to when ug the caveman was a tribe member was to be a learner and a teacher mm. and you know so we we have that embedded in the way we think so you know Learners are uh, are important, you know. And again, I'm using the word learning because I, I think it's just just so important. So we need to learn that it's not just play and, and empathy, but it's being human, being right. real. Right. Um, Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. If people wanted to connect with you today, you have a website around the learning moment. How can people see what you're up to or continue to learn from you? Um, probably the best place is LinkedIn. Um, just uh, search me and follow me on LinkedIn. I I regularly share learnings and blogs and articles that I I like on LinkedIn. So that's that's a great you know, platform for doing that. And of yeah. course, as you said, I have my website, which is thelearningmoment.net, um, where again I I have you know a, a page of one page of books that I I think are worth reading and other information that I share. Yeah. Fantastic. Before we end today, could you give our listeners one invitation to bring a little bit more play, humanity, learning into their organizational cultures? So the invitation I would probably give is, when was the last time you did something for the first time? Oh, can you say more about what that would look like? Well, you know, when we think about it, every day we do things for the first time and we wow. don't really recognize the joy we're getting. Or why don't we challenge ourselves every day and say, I'm going to do something today that I've never done before. Mm. So 
my invitation would be, you know, go out and, and identify doing something for the first time. And it could be something very simple, like I've never had a ginger beer, so I'm going to try a ginger beer. You know, be curious, be, yeah. be playful. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And you're right that like so many times if we're doing something that for the first time, we can forget that it can be a really fun, joyful, playful, curious moment instead of going back to that other F word of feeling like it might be we might be a failure because yeah, it's exactly. the first time. Yeah. Thank you so much, Gary. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for inviting me, Mary. Thank you for listening to the Lead with a Dash of Play podcast. Reza Zaidi and Joanna Stevens created and provided the beautifully playful and reflective music you hear in this podcast. The song is titled Holding Rain. This podcast was created out of curiosity, and I hope you'll share your thoughts and questions with me. Email me at mary at maryhendra.com. Or join the conversation on LinkedIn, redefining play and reclaiming this leadership skill for its potential to bring authenticity and joy into our professional spaces.